Hello and welcome to episode two of When You Speak, Giacosa Listens. I'm your host, Charles Jenkins, and in the studio with us today, we have Miss Sarah Myers joining us. And without further ado, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself. Perfect. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Sarah Myers. And let's see about me. Um, I'm not too much. I don't think I'm a very interesting person, but <laughs> I was born and raised in a small town in Western Kansas. Um, both my husband and I are originally from Kansas. Um, we've been in Texas for just over eight years. Wow. Um, we've kind of, we lived all over. We were in Kansas, we, we moved to different states and then finally ended up here. Um, and Texas was the first place that for us really felt like home. It feels like home. Um, I don't think that we'll go back until, you know, our kids are done with school. Um, but yeah, so we've been here for almost eight years. Let's see, for the past five years, I've been a personal trainer with Camp Gladiator. Um, it's an outdoor fitness boot camp for adults. And it's allowed me the opportunity to, you know, be an active mom and play an active role within our household, but also feel as though I'm filling my cup mm -hmm. and impacting other people's lives, you know, through the form of physical fitness. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> and what's that been like for you? Just... Um putting so much time and energy in in both work and home. Oh, that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to keep it real, um, you know, it's, it's exhausting. And I think that so many parents would probably say just that. You know, mm -hmm. I think as parents, and, and my children are getting older. I have an almost, we were just talking, I have a, a daughter that will be 14 next week. She'll be in high school next year. And then we have a son that's almost seven. And, and their schedules are becoming crazier and crazier, which is what you want as a parent. You yes. want to give your children the opportunities. You want to give them opportunities that maybe you did or didn't have and, and watch them grow and, and turn into young adults and great humans. Um, but by doing so, you're, especially at the ages they are, you know, Addison can't get herself to practice. Yeah. And so we've got to find the time within our schedules to do it. And so it's it's exhausting to... To do what we need to do, you know, for, for both my husband's and I jobs, you know, for our relationship, for mm -hmm. our children, and, and all of that, it's, it's tiring. And, and speaking of your kids, I know we're here today to talk about something special for you as well. And I work in the foster care industry. And what brought you in first to be foster parents and then yeah. to get that feeling of, I just need to adopt? Yeah. Um, I am a big believer in everything happens for a reason mm. um, in, in so many aspects of my life. And I'm a big believer in there are going to be signs of, of when you should and, you know, to be guided on what you should do. Um, I think it's something that I had always had a calling for, potentially adopting a child someday. I never knew, you know, that I would go through the foster care system and that's how we would, would achieve it. Um, but it's something that I had always thought about. Yeah. You know, when my husband and I initially started dating and got into the point where we were actually talking about life after dating and, and families, um, he was open to it as well. He served in the Peace Corps. He worked oh, in wow. Africa for a couple of years, lived in Africa for a couple of years. And so I think in his heart, he had become so connected to some of the children that came from just such poverty levels over mm. there. I think he always thought that we would... If we got to the point where we were to adopt, we would potentially go back to the country he was in and and try to, to, to bring a child from there. Um, we had our daughter. Uh, we struggled conceiving our daughter. Um, we tried for five years to, to have another child, and we were always unsuccessful. And we just decided that 
we chose not to put money into fertility treatments. Yeah. We, we decided that if we were going to pour money into something that we would look for a different route. Um, we left Kansas and, and moved to Oregon, moved back to Kansas, and it never felt like the right time. Mm. When we moved to Texas, our first year here, I was a substitute teacher getting, you started Camp Gladiator just as a camper. And the people who started coming into my life, I kept hearing stories of mm. foster care, foster care, foster care. And so it really, that, that's when that first discussion came up about this could potentially be an option. That's good. And so it was just kind of the guidance of other people. Ironically, I was at a gathering with some women and three of the four other women that were there were all using the same agency. They had all just started their journey. And so for me, I was like, this is a sign. It's a stop in the place. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Let's try. And so that's what drew us to the foster care route. And to those listening to us today, what advice would you give uh, people wanting to, considering becoming yeah. foster parents? You know, I thought about that. I figured you'd ask me that question. So as I was driving down here, I was like, you know, what, what should I say? Um, it's an amazing journey. It, it's a scary journey. You know, it's, it's hard to know that you're opening your home up to a child that is in need, that mm. needs help. Um, and, and you want to open, at least we, you know, I wanted to open my home up. And from the very beginning, I wanted to treat this child as though they were a member of our family. But deep down, I knew that that may not be yeah. the outcome. And so it, it was hard to navigate, you know, how do we show this child so much love and show much compassion, knowing that we could get a phone call at any moment. And, That's good. you know, it, it, it could all be taken away from us. And so I would say, you know, if you're considering it, you know, build a support system, mm -hmm. have a strong team around you of people that you can turn to and who are going to give you honest advice, That's good. Um, you know, have a support system there. Um, you know, whether you're a single person, because one of my great friends is a single woman that, that has adopted out of foster care. So you don't have to be in a relationship, but you got to have people around you that That's you good. can turn to. And speaking of uh, foster care and adoption, how did your daughter handle everything? You know, she was, let me think, you're going to make me do math. Was she eight? <laughs> she was a second grader. She was in second grade when, mm -hmm. when Jace first came into our family. Um, I don't know. I think she's wise beyond her years. She's, she gets a lot of things. She had expressed, you know, being in second grade, seven, eight years old, whatever that would put her. She wanted a sibling. She had That's told good. us, I want a sibling. Um, and, and so we were honest with her as much as we could be and let her feel as though she had a voice at the table even though at the end of the day, it was our voices that mattered most. Yeah. She felt as though she was a part of the topic. And we explained to her and we were honest to her about what potentially could happen. Um, we were blessed it didn't. And, and, but we were honest with her. And so I felt, I feel as though she always felt she had a voice That's good. and that she could be heard within it. And the conversation stayed open. If she was ever struggling, she felt as though she could come to us. And I think you said something key is, letting your own kids know that they have a voice at the table. Right. Even though you guys made the final decision, when kids feel I'm a part of something, they're more inclined to go along with. Well, no, no, Would no, you that, say that's true? Absolutely. And it, it was going to affect, we, it was a decision we were making that wasn't only going to affect, you know, now who, who's our adopted son, but at the time was just any, you know, we didn't know. It was yes. just a, 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 thought, a child of thought that we were bringing into our home. Yes, it's going to impact his or her life, but it's also going to impact our own child's life. Yes. And while 
I would foster care every day. I would I would open my home up and bring <laughs> every single child in I could. But but we had to we had to put Addison first in That's the beginning. Good. You That's know, good. because she she was at that moment in time, she was our sole responsibility. And so at that moment of time we had to put her first. And then as we, you know, brought Jason to the family, you know, then it became two of them we had to put first. The um tell us a little bit about What's the challenge between the balance? I know we touched on it a little early, but balancing your personal life and balancing professional life. What's, what, what was your biggest challenge? Just figuring it all out. <laughs> the schedule. Um, it's just the schedule and getting into the routine. You know, I think it's, it's just like whether you foster a child, adopt a child, naturally have a child, you know, however another family member comes into your life. It's just figuring out the routine and the balance and how is this going to work? You know, who's taking them where, who's picking them up from where do we have what we need? Honestly, the, the first time Jace was with us, he was six, seven months old when he was first placed with us. Oh, wow. And Addison was so excited. <clears throat> the teacher had been one of our references. And so she wanted to take her brother to school to introduce him to her, her teacher. <laughs> so we get to school and we're like, Oh my gosh, we don't have a diaper bag. We don't have, mind you, Addison was eight years old. We were out of practice. And so it was just, I think the biggest struggle in the beginning was just getting back into the routine of we now have another mm-hmm. human that we are responsible for. And, you know, he was so young that he couldn't do anything. <coughs> um, and so just finding that balance, you know, I, I think whether it's a naturally, you know, sibling or a natural sibling that comes in or, or again, however another child is added to the family Making sure we were making time for Addison. That's good. Um, you know, still giving her that one-on-one time with both mom, dad, and then together. Um, same thing, you know, it, me and my husband, Will, making sure that we were finding time, that we were doing what we needed to do to, you know, impact and fulfill our relationship and making sure that we're pouring into us so then we can pour into to our kids. I think you said something key in regards to sometimes we see parents can get so involved with the kids mm-hmm. that they forget about one another. And I it's think that's easy to do. <clears throat> Tell us um, any suggestions on ways you guys handled that. Were y'all intentional about putting things on the schedule? How, how did y'all do it? Well, we're not that great. It's something we're working <laughs> on. No, um, it's, it's an honest struggle. Yes. You know, and I think that it's something that we don't talk about enough as, as couples. You know, I mm-hmm. think that we, we see other people's pictures and posts and this, this, and that, and we think everyone else has it together so mm-hmm. well, and man, we're struggling. Um, but I think it's something that every single relationship, mm-hmm. no matter how long you've been together, you know, you, you struggle with. And so I do, I think it's, it's the random check-ins, you know, during the day, just the, the little text or this, the short phone call that even though it may only be two minutes just that hey let's let's connect let's say i love you let's you know whatever um yeah kind of dating each other hey you want to take me on a date this weekend (laughs) you know that now that addison's 14 we got an in-home babysitter like when when do you want to go and so it's just making sure you make that time so do you have a personal story you can share about just your time and experience uh in foster care okay so Let's see. So Jace came to us. I think I had mentioned he was about six and a half, seven months old ish. Um, which, which I, it's, it's funny to me cause I can remember, you know, starting the journey and, and knowing that, you know, in the state of Texas, most children 
are in foster care for at least a full year before the courts will look to terminate bio parents' rights. And I was nervous going into it thinking, you know, a full, a full year, you know, mm-hmm. a full year of the unknown, the a full year of pulling, pouring into this child and, and not knowing, you know, and mm-hmm. everything that comes along with it. There can potentially be, you know, visits with the bio family and court date and just everything that goes into it. And, and I was very scared, you know, kind of walking into that of how it was going to affect me as a mom and, and just everything. And, and so I can remember just, you know, praying one night and just saying like, and, and it's selfish of me, but saying I want a child that's six plus months into the system. And I want a child whose, you know, bio rights have either been terminated or there's no active role. And I mm-hmm. want a child that's, you know, it's this, 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 and this, and kind of in my mind coming up with what the perfect situation selfishly for me is going to be. Um, and when we first got the call up for our, our now son, it, it was scary because it checked so many of those boxes. <laughs> um, he had been removed from his biological family at the hospital, um, but we were his third foster home mm. that he was being placed into for, for different reasons. And he, again, he was about six and a half, seven months. And so he was, he checked that box. And so I'm like, well, okay, bio parents are for the most part out of the picture, yeah. but they could resurface, but we don't know. Um, and so at that point, I'm like, you know, this is I, too this, good to be true. Too good to be true. <laughs> like, what's the catch? I remember yeah. asking our agency, like, what's the catch? Like, mm. give me something. But they, they had nothing. And, and so he was placed with us and, um, it, it was it was weird in the beginning, you know. I've got this this infant, you know. He wasn't crawling or anything yet, with these beautiful big brown eyes that would look up at me, and <laughs> and for the longest time, I wouldn't call myself mom to him. I wouldn't refer to myself as mom because I didn't. I felt like his mom because I was caring for him, mm. but I at that point, I wasn't I wasn't mom. Um, and it it took me, I'd say, I really don't know, maybe a few months. Um, at that time, I had stopped substitute teaching so I could stay at home with him and kind of pour into him and, mm. and build our relationship. Um, and I remember the first few times I would refer to myself as mom, I would do, do it when it was just he and I. I didn't want other people to hear me at that point call, call myself mom. And we kind of slowly worked up to that, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we were blessed. He was placed with us in March. His bio parents' rights were terminated in July. And oh, wow. we officially adopted him in November. And that so was he was our first placement. I say we are the rarest of rare cases in the foster care agency because he was our first placement and we rolled right through it. We never had any visits. We never had any never had anything. And so it was super easy. Um, he had been with us. We officially adopted him. He had been with us for a couple of years. Um, during that time, we had served respite for another um, young girl. Uh, she would be between my son and my daughter within age. Um, they needed someone to serve respite, so we we did. Uh, she stayed with us, I want to say maybe two weeks, okay. by her foster family. They were traveling overseas or something, and, and for whatever reason, they needed you know someone for her to stay. So she came and stayed with us. Um, she and I did not click. Our personalities didn't click. Um, she was six, I believe, five or six when she first stayed with us. Um, we didn't click because of a lot of the, the a lot of the trauma that she had suffered mm-hmm. in her life, and it predominantly came from a female figure, a mom figure. So we just didn't click. She and my husband, on the other hand, they bonded within those two wow. weeks. She stole his heart. 
uh, flash forward probably a year, he would always ask about her. We would see members of our agency out and about, and he would always ask about this young girl. And I would always kind of roll my eyes. And, <laughs> you know, because I remembered how hard that was. Yes. Um, but flash forward about that year, we get a phone call. I get a text message from our agency that this child is coming back into the system. The system is done. She's going, you know, rights are going to be terminated. Would we be interested? And I remember we were traveling back from a vacation in Florida and I sat on the message. My husband was driving and I'm like, I know if I read this message to him, it's done. Yeah. So we finally, I disclosed that, you know, long story short, we brought her into our family with the intent to pursue adoption. Um, again, she would have been, she's two years, two or three years younger than Addison, so slightly older than Jace. Um, I think I tell her story with our family because it, it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's important to tell people, you know, uh, the scripture reminds us that, uh, one, the one waters, one plants, but the good Lord gives the increase. So, which means that a child can come into your home. What are you teaching them while they're there? Yeah. Because they may not stay with you the whole time, and when they go to the next placement, what did they learn from you that they can take to that next placement? Yeah. So it's it's not always a perfect fit. And I'm so glad you yeah. said that because so many people beat themselves up sometimes thinking, oh, it didn't work out. I must be a horrible person. Yeah. I must be a horrible parent because it didn't work out with me. Well, the key is did you do what you were set out to do? teach that kid different things while they were in your home. I mean, we loved honor. Um, And again, our intent was to add her to Mm -hmm. our family. And that, that was when we took her in, we said, this is, this is our intent. Um, She had come through a lot. I mean, her, her story just breaks your heart, you know, as a mom. I mean, y'all know, I mean, you know, way more stories than I do. Um, but it just, it broke my heart, everything that this sweet girl had gone through in, you know, the seven years that she was seven or eight years, whatever. Um, and because of that, she would act out, she would act out against Jace. And it Mm -hmm. kind of ties back to what we talked about earlier with, with, you know, the children in your home. Our sole job at that time was to provide her a safe place, but was to protect our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she was acting out aggressively towards Jace. And at this time, he's still a baby. Yeah. You know, and, and, well, he was one, maybe. Um, and he couldn't protect himself. Yes. And so it finally got to a point where, you know, we had to make just that, that tough decision of, of this, isn't, this isn't working. And we know that this is what we stated in the, in the beginning. And those were our true intentions, but, but this isn't working. And that was the hardest I made my husband make the phone call, you know, the call the agency and say, this, this can't work. Um, but I think I talk about her just because Jace's story was so incredibly easy mm-hmm. and sometimes they are. And sometimes you hear those stories that are so incredibly easy, but on the flip side, I think more times than not, the stories mm-hmm. are hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I have friends that have gone through it who have, have gotten so close to feeling as though they were getting to where they were going to get to adopt a child. And, the and then gone. last minute, it, ah. it falls through. Um, and so I think, yeah, you just got to keep faith and, and keep keep your, I don't want to say eye on the prize because that sounds bad because it's not a prize, but kind of keep your eye, yeah. you know, your eyes in the future, your eyes on your intent. And I think it ties back into what you said. What, what did we teach her? 
while she was with us. Mm -hmm. And I hope we, we don't still have contact with her. We've tried. Um, we know she's been adopted. We know where she is. We have contact with the family who has adopted her two biological sisters. Oh, wow. And so they kind of give me updates every once in a while. And I tell them often, I say, if, if her family ever gets to a point where they are open, we would love to, to at least meet up with her, you know, maybe just meet up with her because I hope that when she was with us, I hope that she remembers the love she received in our house and, you know, maybe some of the rules and this, this, you know, (laughs) know, the the parenting side of things, but just the love that she received in our house and that she was loved and is still loved. We know her birthday. We talk about her every birthday. Um, we talk about her all the time. And, and, and so again, I hope that even though she's no longer in our family, she always, she has a part of all of our hearts. That's good. And so even though the stories sometimes are hard and the children do go on, she'll forever be a part of her home. I think you touched on so many different nuggets throughout our time talking today. I mean, I heard some words, love, you know, mm-hmm. uh, love. Once you love someone the way you're supposed to, and when you have kids in your home, a lot of people think, you know, I can't bond with this kid because they may leave. No, you're not doing your job if you don't bond with the kid because when you do bond, it shows that you're giving them true love and yeah. treating them the way they and need to I be treated. can I add something to that? Yes. I really, I was super nervous going into the whole possible adoption process. I have a biological child mm-hmm. that I birthed. Am I going to be able to connect to another child mm. who I didn't birth the same way that I can connect with my biological That's child? Good. I was scared. I didn't know. And then we ended up, we adopted outside of our own race. And so now I have a child that looks nothing like me. Mm. Am I going to be able to connect to a, a child that looks nothing like me, didn't come for me, this, this, and that? And I think you hit on it. If you love someone the way you're supposed to love, 100% you can. Oh, yeah. You know, at this at this point, and I actually, as I was prepping to come here today, I, I turned on music, and it happened, and I can't even remember the artist that sings it, but it's the song about, you know, you don't, I don't see your eyes, look, I don't see my eyes looking back at me, and I don't see my smile smiling back at me, and I just thought of my son and just pictured him right now, and he doesn't look like me. He doesn't, you know, his eyes aren't mine, his smile's not mine, but, I mean, he is. he's my son, and I love them. 100% the same. I would go to battle for them 100% the same. So I think coming into it, I was very nervous about it. But he's my little bug. And <laughs> I tell you what, he's my little man. <laughs> now you see this big smile on my face because that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think people make, people, us, make uh, make mountains out of molehills. Absolutely. All the time. It can be, you know, well, you don't think like me. You don't talk like me. You don't look like me. Yeah, but if you cut his skin and cut your skin, the the blood is still red. And I think if you, I love that you say, you know what? We we just loved on him. And it it helps you break down any walls you have. We have more in common than we do uh we have more things in common than people give humans credit Absolutely. for. W- regardless of what I look like, regardless of what you look like, we have things in common. And the key is finding common ground. Absolutely. And how can we deal with these things together? And if people took time to just see, because 
kids. I, I love watching mm-hmm. uh, YouTube videos, Instagram videos of little bitty kids, and they'll show you they don't see color. Don't see we, the, we the ones that uh, see it. And I was reading this book. It says, uh, if we want to be like Christ, we are to put the book was talking about every person this guy see, he sees him with a tin over their head. And he was like, when Christ sees us, he sees us with a tin over our head. But he say, we as humans, well, I don't like the way that person looks, so I'm going to give him a four, and treat him this Absolutely. way, treat him that way. And no, if we treat people the way we're supposed to treat them, all walls will go down. Well, and just remember that we don't have to see eye to eye. No. We don't have to, I don't have to understand and get everything yes. that, that you do or you believe in or this and that, and that's fine. But, yeah. You reminded, you reminded me of a quote. It says, we don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, there's so much truth to that. We just want to take this time today to just say thank you for just being on the show. Thank you for what you Absolutely. do. Now, nah, but that's our show for today. Uh, when you speak, Giacosa, listen. Have a great day. See you later. Bye-bye.